Hello, this is Imogen Ragone at Body Learning. Um, I'm here today because I got interested in finding out how different Alexander teachers, um, especially maybe the more senior successful teachers, go about teaching a first lesson. Um, and Robert Rickover has kindly agreed to let me use the Body Learning podcast um, to conduct some interviews on the subject. Um, so my first guest is, of course, Robert Rickover himself. Um, he's an Alexander teacher in Lincoln, Nebraska and Toronto, Canada. And he's been teaching the technique for over 30 years. So, Robert, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. It's a real pleasure to be here. On the other end of things. On the other end of things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, well, I'm excited to learn more about your approach to a first lesson. You've sort of given hints about it in various other interviews and blogs that you've done um, that kind of got me curious about how you teach a first lesson. Uh, so to start kind of at the very beginning, when a prospective new student contacts you, uh, whether that's by email or by phone, do you have a particular way you handle it, maybe specific questions you like to ask or information you want to give them before you even meet them? Well, I, I try to find out if they uh, have know something about the Alexander Technique. Often they have. Um, and I also am interested in learning w what it is that has um, caused them to call me or email me. If it's an email, they'll almost certainly say in the email what it is they want help with. Yeah. Um, often it's, you know, my people tell me my posture is bad or I'm having such and such a a pain issue. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I want to talk, I, I, if at all possible, I like to talk to people on the phone a little bit first, even yeah. if they initially email me. Now, some, t some people these days really aren't uh, phone oriented anymore. You know, right. there are a lot of people who just don't use phones. And so... I might do a, a little bit of back and forth by email, but I try to have some idea of, of why they're coming for a lesson. And um, sometimes they might ask a question like, can this help with whatever their issue is? Mm -hmm. And um, if it's something like posture, um, I say, well, I can't promise specific results because this is a teaching method. I try to emphasize that. Right. at the beginning but the technique does have a good history of helping people improve their posture or if it's some pain related issue I would say the same thing I might refer them to if they're interested in more information the British Medical Journal study on back pain that sort of thing I try to just have some sense of who the, who this person is and and why they're coming okay that sounds that sounds good and kind of similar to what I do myself. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no specific information that you definitely want to. You, it's more that you're responding to whatever's going on. Yes, totally. With the student. Mm -hmm. um, and so before we actually get to that first lesson itself, how important do you think the first lesson is in the kind of 
student teacher relationship. <laughs> well, uh, a- a- as they say, uh, you don't get a second chance right. to yeah. make a first impression. I think people, um, I think people make very instant judgments about uh, someone they meet that could be based on all sorts of strange things. Um, and um, you don't have total control over that. I try to, um, you know, I'm, I, I try to be friendly and, and <laughs> welcoming. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'll just say one little thing that I do, which actually came out of uh, a couple of students telling me years ago that um, sometimes my hands can get a little cold. Maybe it's a circulation issue. I don't know. I actually have these little hand warmers that I heat up in the microwave uh-huh. before a lesson. And I, I know what they are. People use them at sports events to keep their hands cold while they're washing out in the um, hands warm. When yeah, washing, and yeah. The, these are actually called Maine warmers. They're made uh-huh. in Maine. And I, 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 I have to say I haven't found very many of these on the web. Maybe now there are more. But I got them from Amazon, and they're an incredibly good investment. I just heat them up for about three minutes in the microwave. I have my hands in them a bit before a student comes. And uh, there is apparently even some psychological research that say people respond well, even shaking hands with someone whose hands aren't uh, are warm, not cold. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And gosh, that's a tip I'd never There's thought of. There's a tip, of. and yeah. I, I I got that from from actually two separate students mentioned it, huh. and I and initially I thought they were crazy, but um, actually I I think they were they were giving me some very good advice. So. so, so your student walks through the door, they get a nice warm handshake, right? Um, uh, how do you start out? Um, do you find out some background information? Of course, you may have already kind of gone through that on the phone. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Do you have some sort of discussion, or do you kind of just go straight into teaching? Oh, I don't. I don't go straight into teaching. They usually, uh, you know, I have them sit down, and I, I'm sitting sitting near them. Sometimes I'm sitting on a stool or uh, or another chair. And I just ask them a little bit about, again, kind of renew a little bit what what the, the, their interest is in the technique. I'm, of course, interested to know if they've had lessons with anybody else. That tells me a little something. And, of course, that gives me a chance to um, get a little sense of what they're doing with themselves, you know, yeah. how they're speaking, how they're moving, how they're sitting in a chair. And... Uh, and I, I, I would probably ask um, um, a new student what kind of work they do and what sort of physical activities they do because that also can be relevant to whatever their issue is. I mean, typically, say someone comes in and their shoulders and wrists hurt a lot and it mm-hmm. turns out they're sitting at a computer for eight hours a day. That's really helpful information. Yeah. Um, So I just try to gather a bit of information. I don't necessarily go into a whole life history or anything like that. (laughs) And I, you know, I just, I just want to learn a little bit about them, both from visual observation and, and, and getting the answers to a few very basic, simple questions. 
So you've had your discussion now. Mm -hmm. You're going to actually start teaching. Um, Obviously, all students are different, but do you have a place that you usually kind of start or, or some standard things that you usually introduce in a first lesson? Well, um, because they're already sitting in a chair, and I have sort of a fairly basic wooden chair, you know, fairly mm-hmm. flat uh, back and bottom, uh, I'll often begin by asking them to tell me what they're noticing about themselves as they're sitting in that chair. And I'll preface it by saying, and could you do that without making any change? And of course, they almost always make a change. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I try to maybe damp that down a little bit. But I want to get them... I'm very interested in getting people to start noticing what they're up to um, in ways that they haven't typically been doing Mm -hmm. and so I I like to just start with right where they are they're sitting in a chair talking to me and I think okay let's start let's start here what do you notice about how you're sitting and sometimes um, I mean sometimes people can do a pretty good job of that but a lot of times they 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 kind of avoid that you know they keep slipping into other things and I try to get them back to themselves. And sometimes I'm able to actually get them to notice, well, what what do you notice is going on with your head and neck and upper mm-hmm. torso? And a lot of times, or sometimes maybe, uh, they'll say, oh, well, my head is pretty far forward, which often it is. You mm-hmm. know, they're poking it forward. And I just spend a little time with that. And then I, say, I explain to them that I'm just going to do a little bit of work with my hands, I'm going to have them on your neck and shoulders. And I just do a little a little work with them sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you explain what you're doing with your hands? Well, I, <laughs> I, I say, you know, I'm, I'm going to use my hands both to sense what's going on with, with you, what you're, how you're using your musculature, I'll use a phrase like that, or, and, and I'll say, and, and I'll also say, if you can sense um, a little direction, or indication of a direction from my hands, could you let your, your head and neck move with that? And some people, of course, will make huge, huge changes right away. I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling when it <laughs> happens. And other people will will not make obvious changes, but may notice something. And of course, some people may not notice anything at all at the beginning. I tend to then work a little bit with their shoulders. Um, if they're pulling their shoulders back, I'll suggest with my hands a letting go of that pull. And sometimes their shoulders come back, or sometimes they want to get ahead of me, you know, oh, I'll pull them back because Mm -hmm, that's what he, mm -hmm. so we'll have a little discussion around that. And then I often will work a little bit with them uh, with just uh, their arms. I may take, take their arms and move them a bit and um, move them around, see what's going on in terms of how, how easy is it for them to let me uh, to move their arm? 
And these days, I'll start saying right away, well, um, could you talk to yourself as I move my arm and just say, um, I'm free to let let, uh, uh, Robert move my arm? Because I want to segue pretty quickly into self-directing. Yeah, so and when you I say, find that's an interesting way to get people to start note, start that in a very simple way. Sure, and you you use the the words talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you meaning think, or are you asking to actually say that out loud? No, th- I think, but yeah. I'll, I'll say to yourself is what yeah, I might yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not. yeah. And sometimes just, people will start talking, and I'll say yeah. you don't really have to. Say it out loud. Just just think it, but just think it very lightly, and because what typically if you if you're sitting next to a student and you're moving an arm around, and the they you're about to put their uh, hand back on their leg, let's say where mm-hmm. it might have been, a lot of times uh, that's when they'll tense their arms up or set mm-hmm. themselves because they have an idea of placement of mm-hmm. the arm. And I I point that out to them. I'll say, look, I can move your arm pretty freely out here, but no, just notice what happens when it's going to get near where you think it's going to land. Mm. And some people are very quick to pick up on that, and some people not so much. But I can usually get them to let go of at least some of that placement idea. Mm-hmm. And after I've worked on one side, so to speak, uh, I'll ask them, well, you notice a difference between your two arms and your two hands, and sometimes they will, and often quite a dramatic difference. Mm-hmm. So I start out with that, work with both arms. I might also work with their legs a bit, lifting a leg, mm-hmm. a little moving it around and saying, now, at some point, um, you're going to notice that you're going to sense some contact with the floor of the bottom of your shoe. Um, be very alert to what happens at that point. And, or maybe even say, I'm free to do nothing at that point. Mm-hmm. Or I'm free to leave my leg alone. And again, it's the same idea of placement, putting extra yeah. pressure in. So that's often where I start as an activity because they're yeah. already sitting and why not just start there? Just and what you're doing. And yeah. plus a lot of people spend a lot of time sitting. So it's, it's, it's a practical activity. Um, but what I'm really interested in, apart from getting them to start noticing, is to start directing, although I wouldn't use that word at the beginning. I want them to start realizing that they can change their reactions to to what's going on by a simple thought. Mm-hmm. That's and, great. So... Um, I'm guessing the whole lesson isn't sitting, that <laughs> um, you do do oh, something no, else. No. Yeah. Is, is there a, uh, do you let the student lead what happens next in the first lesson, or do you often have some other activities or procedures that you like to, to I, uh, it, if it's um If it's a musician who's mm-hmm. come, I'll always ask them if, if they have a portable instrument to bring it mm-hmm. because I'll, I'll want to spend a little time, usually towards the end of the first lesson, with a bit of, pl- of them playing or singing or whatever. 
Um, but I don't want to make that the first thing. And um, but but I I would definitely try to reserve a little time for that. But the other activity that I tend to introduce immediately after the sitting work that mm-hmm. I described is walking, standing and walking. Uh-huh. And there are, I don't do, I have to come clean right at the beginning here, I don't do traditional chair work. That is, I don't um, work with my hands getting someone in and out of a chair. Okay. I do work with their thinking, getting in and out of mm-hmm. a chair later on, maybe the second lesson. I'm not really interested in doing that activity in that traditional way. So after I, but after I've worked with them on the chair, um, I will get them to stand up and take a little walk, and um, often the 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 changes that have happened when they're in the chair, if there have been changes, mm-hmm. will carry over to some extent. And they and, I, and I'll say, well, do you notice anything different about your walking? And sometimes people say, yeah, this is very weird, you know, and <laughs> very light, or I feel taller or whatever. And that's kind of interesting because it helps them get that there's a change that is not specific to the activity. You know, it's it's what the change that occurred in sitting can carry over to standing and walking. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when, when I'm working with a brand new student, it's much easier to get uh, some change with, with me using my hands uh, when they are standing than sitting. So mm-hmm. that's another opportunity to to help them in that way. But again, I'm always kind of interested in getting them to think about, notice what's going on and maybe say, well, I'm going to have my hands on uh, the back of your neck, back and sides of your neck. Could you just say, I'm free to let um, let my head move with whatever direction I'm sensing from those hands? Something like that. I try to mm-hmm. get them to be a semi-active participant sure. in it yeah. at the beginning. The other reason I like walking as an act- initial activity is, first of all, people are always doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I have wooden floors that um, are a hugely valuable teaching tool because you can hear the sound of your feet on my floors uh-huh. quite easily. Yeah, I have wooden floors. Wooden my, floors are yes. a godsend, and the, <laughs> the creakier the better, as far as I'm concerned. Um, that uh, that's one reason why I make sure they keep their shoes on for that part. For you know, I don't have them take their shoes off during, usually at all during a first lesson. Um, and I'll I'll um, do a little work with them, and, and then it, usually it's walking and I'll get them to notice whether or maybe even standing initially and sometimes when they make a change in standing they'll suddenly feel off balance they might feel like they're going to fall forward onto their face but I'll point out to them 
that they haven't fallen yet. Uh-huh. And that's a huge, like little light bulbs often go up in people's heads at that point. I might even turn them to take a look at one of several mirrors I have on one side of the room. Take a look. The, you know, if they think they're forward, take a look and see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, verif- verify that um, perception on your part and, and kind of, again, opening opening a student up to the possibility that what they're sensing may not be accurate. Um, but what I really like to try to get in on a first lesson, if there's time, if, it's, if it seems at all possible, is to get them to experiment with some very simple Alexander direction when walking. And up until fairly recently, I've been in the world of negative directions, but I have switched over to freedom directions, Uh which are, I think, um, technically pretty much the same, but in terms of the delivery mechanism, more effective for all kinds of reasons. More accessible, I think. Absolutely, yeah. So I'll say, well... Here's what I want you to say very gently to yourself, think very gently to yourself without any idea of holding on to it and without any idea about what it means mm-hmm. or any interest in implementing it. I'll say, how about taking a little walk uh, and with the intent that uh, um, I'm free? Just say that to you, have that intent. I'm free. Or I might say my my neck is free. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pick something that seems like it has a, a decent shot of working. Sure. Yeah. And then I'll say, now, as you walk, I'm going to... I'm going to say various things to you. Please continue walking and just do, follow what I say. So they'll walk a little. I'm free. Then I'll say, well, now keep walking and throw that away. Throw that idea away. Just walk. Mm-hmm. And then I might say after a few seconds, well, bring that idea back. I'm, I'm free or I'm free to walk or whatever it is. And then mm-hmm. I'll have them throw it away again, bring it back. Virtually everybody will notice a difference. Usually, if they don't notice it over time, they'll notice it at the transition point. Mm. And they'll, they'll, um, they'll feel that sinking down into their old pattern when they let go of the direction. So you're, you're really getting them to start thinking, directing yeah, right away. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, I was going to say something else. Oh, and if if there's any, if they're not sure about the feeling part, mm-hmm. I'll say, well, how about this time take a walk and have a little bit of interest in the sound of your feet on the ground as you walk. Uh, and then I'll the run, run this. comes into its own, right. huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'll, even if the, I don't, I, I'll always tell them, I'll ask them, do you have at home a creaky wooden floor somewhere? And here in Nebraska, most people have, it's quite common. Uh-huh. I'll say, use that place to experiment with walking and experiment with shifting back and forth. I want people to leave with little experiments that they can run or an experiment that they can use in a variety of activities. And I'll say walking is a particularly good one because there is this sort of rhythmical 
movement, it's easy, relatively easy to detect asymmetries in how your legs are coming down, that sort of thing. It's a nice one to work with. Mm-hmm. And I'll get them to say, I'll say, you know, spend a few minutes a day, uh, maybe 20, 30 seconds at a time, experiment with having using the direction we talked about, throwing it away, bringing it back. Um, use it in a variety of activities and just play with it. So that would be sort of like little homework you would send them on their I way would, that with. That would be their homework. And I, yeah. I pretty much, I very rarely would a student leave after the first lesson without some homework of that kind, directing homework, basically. So um, that's what the sort of thing you typically do. Could there be something with a certain student that would which would mean you alter that approach or do something sometimes um if they uh very occasionally they it just may not they may be so um how can i put it insensitive to themselves Mm -hmm. that they can't really detect the changes even if they are visually uh, mm-hmm. pretty easy to see and so i might i might not assign, i might not give them homework mm-hmm. after the first, but that i have to say that's really rare mm-hmm. really rare uh, I, pretty much always i send them on their way and of course the next lesson when they come i'll talk about that and some people come back with amazing stories, and some people say... They oh, forgot all it, about it. <laughs> yeah, or they'll say, uh, boy, it worked so well uh, in the lesson, but on my own it didn't. And then I'll question them, and almost always it's because they have changed the the experiment. They've changed it to... Uh, wanting to recreate a feeling for example they in you know or they yeah. changed it from a present tense direction to something like i want my neck to be free or i'm trying to I'm free trying <laughs> to free it yeah. and then that leads to a nice little discussion about why trying is not the name of the game in this work and you you all the usual alexander ideas uh, ultimately all come out of follow-up sessions where people you know people bring up issues and they almost always have a nice Alexander principle answer but uh, I I try to bring out those principles in the process of an actual real-life activity they're doing yeah. Um, is, there, is there anything you deliberately do not introduce in a first lesson or do in a first lesson? I very, very rarely do uh, table work in a first lesson. I do have a table and I pretty much always bring it in in the second or sometimes the third lesson. As I'll, I'll say to them, this I want to show you, I want to do some work on the table and show you a position that you can put yourself in at home that is is very useful 
And so that'll be sort of homework they get exactly. after the second lesson. Usually after the, after the second lesson. And I'll go through some detail about how they can modify what, the, you know, I have a, a massage table that I'm using for, for that. I'll say, well, of course, at home, you know, a carpet carpeted floor would be fine. I I tend to work with people um, not in the classic Alexander position of feet on the ground, knees bent, but a, a, a bolster under their knees. And so I'll we'll talk about how they can get one of those for themselves or create something like that themselves. I'll show them a possibility of putting their lower legs on a couch. Uh, as a way of elevating the knees, we'll, I'll give them a very specific thickness of books to use based on what seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go into some detail on that because I want them to have a good experience lying down at home. And usually I'll, at the beginning, I'll say, just, put, just be there for 10 or 15 minutes. Don't you don't have to do anything. Try to just be somewhere where where you won't be disturbed a lot. You could be listening to music or the radio if you want. Um, but just a, a little time out where you're just lying in this position. And when you do get up from it, see if you notice any changes. Oftentimes people will. And I I just kind of put it so out you're there. Not inviting them to bring the directions into the not right away. I mean, I will pretty quickly. Sure. Yeah. Um, Um, Has anything changed? I'm sure it has. Or how has it changed over your 30 years of whatever teaching and how you approach that first lesson? Oh, I mean. Without going into too much detail. Yeah, I totally changed. I mean, Uh I I really, um, I've really become a believer in, in, um, getting people to start thinking for themselves as soon as possible. And I owe that to Marjorie Barstow, who I, who ultimately became my, my principal teacher. That was always her approach. And I saw that with her it worked, and I started experimenting it with it myself. And it, it just... I think it's better to err on the side of assuming someone can can direct themselves. You'll find out soon enough if they mm-hmm. can't. People are much, in my experience anyway, much better able to do that with a little help, maybe at the beginning, getting away from the trying or, or following the feelings or all of those kind of traps. Sure. People are quite capable of that, in my experience, and why not utilize that? Because that's how they're going to how they're going to make changes ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm very. Um, I've become. I would say I've become more and more and more sparing in the use of my hands in teaching. I do use them, mm-hmm. and they're very very helpful at times. And certainly in table work, I use them a fair amount, but. I have found that um, it's just more effective if people can learn to bring the the changes about on their own with someone observing them and helping them if they run into a problem because that's what they're going to take with them. And and it gets gets them away from, first of all, any kind of dependency on you as a teacher or your hands being there. Um, they get that it's really 
something that they can learn to do for themselves, which we all pay lip service to, I think. But I think a lot of students, it takes them a long time to get that, and I prefer to have them get it as quickly and efficiently as possible at the beginning. Great. Do you, um, I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but do you have any handouts or written information you give your students or do you write anything down for them or notes for yourself? Um, I don't write out formal notes to myself. I some, some students would like me to write out for them some specific directions mm-hmm. and I'll do that because... It, yeah. You know, for someone someone who's used to that, that might seem a little fun, silly, but actually it back when I was using negative directions, mm-hmm. I would often write out a <clears throat> kind of a an overall, <clears throat> excuse me, framework. So it's I am not <clears throat> blank my blank and I'll fill say just fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh tensing my neck, compressing my body, whatever. Uh, I'll say that, you know, the actual words you use are quite variable, but the, there's a standard framework. Mm-hmm. And with with freedom directions, it's less necessary to do that, but I do emphasize it should be a statement in the present moment. Yeah. I am free. My neck is free. I am free to walk or my walking is free. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And to to be very careful to avoid um anything that kind of slips into the I want my neck to be free or my neck will be free or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really present. The present moment is when you can make a change. So and I get people to really learn that firsthand. I mean, it's kind of a cliche. We can only change in the moment. But once people have experience with that, they really get it. You know, they get it from their own personal experience. But you're starting that right from the get-go, it sounds like. Yeah. I do. And I also, and this is going to probably sound heretical. Um, <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, especially now with freedom directions, and I think this is one of their huge advantages over negative directions, which themselves have huge advantages over classical Alexander directions. Huge advantages. Freedom directions, uh, I I feel like it, it, I can ask a, tell a student, hey, if you want to, if you want to, if someone asks you what you're up to. You might want to share that direction with them and, and have them experiment with it themselves. I think they're totally uh, transferable from your student to their friends and family. Yeah, I think um, they're they're more like an they have very they're more like an affirmation. Which yeah, you don't I have to go it, through all this stuff yeah, about yeah. negative and it's grammatically positive, uh, it's grammatically negative, but it's actually very positive, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, you can skip all of that. And I've had several examples just in the last few weeks of students who, for example, maybe have gone for a walk with their husband and they'll say, well, here I'm, I'm saying this to myself and, and their husband will notice the difference and they'll say, well, why don't you try it? And their husband will notice the difference in themselves. <laughs> uh, and I think that is, the, that is what the Alexander te- 
technique should be about, mm-hmm. really. Um, I think we're running out of time, but I did want to ask you if there's anything or any any things that you see as some kind of typical or potential mistakes new teachers might make when they first start with those first lessons or pitfalls they should be aware of and again I'm I'm Mm. kind of aware of the time now but I think that's an interesting question yeah Uh, I I have to I'm not sure I can give a quick answer to that I mean I know that I I'm, I know that I did some things earlier on that probably weren't as effective as as uh, the teaching I'm doing now. I think uh, I certainly uh, avoiding any jargon would be a good idea. And I have to say the whole idea of forward and up, mm. which is of course a classic Alexander concept. I do introduce that, but not at the beginning. I you know, I may introduce a little body mapping of where your head is in relation to your neck, but not in the first lesson usually. And at some point I might relate that the operation of that to this phrase forward and up, which they're going to hear somewhere sooner or later. Mm-hmm. But I don't use that as a direction. I think... I actually think forward and up is a bit of a can of worms that can be very easily avoided. And well, I know with, I misinterpreted it Well, in I, the beginning quite a lot. I, I don't yeah. think it's actually such a useful direction. I think there are much better ways to achieve exactly the same thing. Um, I, I can't really think of other pitfalls offhand okay. i mean anything else we're going to finish or anything uh, else that you'd like to share with our listeners i'm just that pe- mo- many say many new students are uh, are amazingly able to pick up on these basic ideas quite quickly if That's- they're if they are delivered to them in a nice in an effective way. I will also say that that I I tell students, and I might repeat this several times when, as they're leaving a lesson, and I, you know, I've given them some homework to do. I say, but have fun with it. Don't take mm-hmm. it seriously. That's nice. I you know don't make it some awful thing. Now I got to do my <laughs> no, I've got to my do thirty that. seconds yeah. of directing. Yeah. Just just play with it. Have fun with it, and figure out new variations on your own that may work and may not just start experimenting because that's all this work is is experimenting trying seeing what works and then going with that that's great well actually this has been really interesting robert well, i think it's some really good information there um so we'll finish up my guest today has been robert rickover an Alexander teacher in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Toronto, Canada. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with Robert, or if you live in Lincoln, Nebraska, or Toronto, we'll put a link to his website next to the interview. And we'll also put a link to a site where you can find a teacher anywhere in the world. Um, thank you, Robert, so much for being oh. on your show. <laughs> well, thanks, Imogen. It is a lot of fun to not have to ask the questions. <laughs> thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks. <laughs>